Uh, like Pastor Alex said, my name is Matt, and I am the student ministry director here, and I have the honor and privilege to bring God's word today. Uh, if you're online, uh, specifically if you're somewhere warm, we envy you. Um, if you're leaving today, I know many are leaving after the service to go somewhere warm. Again, we envy you. Um, but thank you for being here. I know this morning I, wa- I went out to walk my dog uh, before church and just taking that deep breath, and it's like cold enough where like your nose hairs freeze. Um, that's, that's Michigan, right? It's almost April. It's like 25 degrees out. Um, we desire warm. Yet here we are. It's spring break and it's, it's freezing. So uh, if you're online or far away, if you're going somewhere, safe travels, but uh, we miss you. We wish it was this warm. Maybe bring back some sunshine. That would be wonderful. Um, well, again, good morning. My name is Matt, and I have the privilege to dive into God's Word with all of us today. And so I'm super excited. We're going through this series, Soul Food. And so as we jump in today, I want to ask you guys the question, have you guys, do you ever say grace uh, in your family? Is that something that is common to you to say grace? Maybe it's something that you say before dinner time or all meals, uh, but saying grace is, is something that I think a lot of us do, but do we ever take a moment to wonder, where, where does saying grace come from? Where does saying grace come from? To give you a brief lesson on the word grace, it has its roots to the Latin term gratia, which simply means favor. It simply means favor. Grace is essentially undeserved favor. And the Latin term also carries the meaning of thanks or gratefulness. Thanks or being grateful. And so that's kind of how we get the term saying grace. And I love saying grace because it's simply connecting grace and gratitude together, which is our natural response to maybe something like a meal. Right, a meal where we sit down, uh, you know, we have this table up here because we are in this series, uh, Soul Food, which is all about being around a table um, but it connects grace and gratitude. It reminds me uh, of my son, Hudson. Eric and I, uh, we have two boys, Hudson, who's three, and specifically, he loves to pray. Um, maybe him not praying as much. He loves when we pray, but it's funny. Like As the busyness of life goes, we're getting dinner ready, or Eric is getting dinner ready. We throw his food out there first. He won't touch it until we pray. And so, you know, it's one of the things we want to instill in him is we want to pray before our food. And many times we ask him, hey, Hudson, what are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? And he's, you know, him being three, he's thankful for, you know, Paw Patrol. He's thankful for his brother. He's thankful for, you know, random things, right? He's thankful for trees, all these things. But we do this because we want him to begin to understand that, like, what are you, as we say grace, I mean, what are you thankful for? The things that you have, the things that, you know, necessarily that you, that we don't deserve, yet God has blessed us with. This is the incredible truth that we get to dive into this morning as we look at the life and ministry of Jesus is that he came to reveal God's grace, that he came to reveal God's grace to us. And as we study scripture, we ultimately see that that's because of the cross. It's because of the cross through his life, his death, and resurrection, because what Jesus did for us, he came to save the lost and basically show the undeserving favor, to show us favor for anyone who trusts and follow him. And as Pastor Jim shared last week, as we started this series, right, Jesus first went to sinners, right? He met with a tax collector. He pursued sinful people, met them at the table, 
All right, and he, and he expressed that ultimately Jesus came because of the saving work on the cross. And as we jump in today, I want to wrestle with the question, have you truly experienced grace? Have you truly recognized and received that grace? Or do we possibly at times take Jesus for granted? Do we take Jesus for granted? Or maybe have we ever rejected his grace altogether? You see, grace and gratitude are connected. And what we will discover this morning, it's our big idea for the morning, is that our response to Jesus reveals a grasp of his grace. That our response of, to Jesus reveals our grasp of his grace. And so if you have your Bibles today, we're going to be in Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36. And again, we're in week two of this series called soul food. And if you're in a life group, we've been going through this. Maybe you have the book Meals with Jesus. That's why we have this big table up on stage. But it's all about uh, the ministry that Jesus did specifically in Luke. If you notice, if you've been going through that book, that a lot of times in Luke, a lot of times Jesus is around the table setting. And again, that's where we're going to find ourselves today in Luke 7, that Jesus is again around a table as he's doing ministry with people. And as we dive into the lesson today, we're going to see Jesus interact with two people specifically, two characters that are extended grace, but you're going to see two different responses to that grace. So if you have your Bibles, again, Luke 7, verse 36, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's home and reclined at a table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. To begin this passage, we have an account that Jesus is invited into this meal. And specifically, he's invited into the home of a Pharisee. He's invited into the home of a Pharisee. And if you remember last week, as Pastor Jim shared, that the Pharisees fall under this specific sect of Judaism right? that was all about the law. They're all about their standards, their strict moral purity of, of this is the way that God would save Israel is through the purity that they had. And so the Pharisees, they held this high influential standard or the status of influence specifically in the Jewish community. And as we study the text this morning, the Pharisees has recognized Jesus. Whether they like it or not, they've recognized who Jesus was, that he began to live, that he began to preach, that he began to go into the world. And so we see the stories that the Pharisees had recognized this, and they invite him into his home. As verse 36 states, it says that Jesus went to the man, man's home and reclined at the table. And so in Jesus' time, to give you some background, a lot of the tables were like these little U-shaped tables that were very low to the ground, and you would actually recline at the table. You would recline uh, with your left elbow on the table, with your feet away from the table, and you would eat with your right hand, and there's just a significant uh, meal. But that, that, that was the normal, right? And so in the story, uh, nothing out of the blue, Jesus is eating at a very normal meal setting, but what happens next in the story is completely unnormal. What happens next in the, in the story is completely out of the blue. 
Right? We have the Pharisee, but now a woman suddenly approaches Jesus. And as we study about this text, to give you some background, because I kind of had to study this for my, myself, is that these meals would take place on the side of a home, that a lot of times the meal setting was almost like uh, if you have uh, like a little open porch on your house, uh, that is where a lot of these meal settings would, would happen. So because of that, they were open to the public. People would walk by at times, be able to talk in and chime in sometimes when these meals were happening. So this is kind of how this woman came into the picture, right? She, she sees the meal, she heard that Jesus was there, and she walks up to Jesus. But what do we know about this woman? What, is, what does the passage say about this woman? Well, the text reads that she was a woman of the city. Second, that she is a sinner, meaning that she had an open, bad reputation in the town. Although it doesn't say it directly here, later traditions and scholars that identify this woman as a prostitute, right? And that she had this open, bad reputation in the town. And this lady who's not even given a name, right, here hears the name of Jesus. And in fact, she begins to seek Christ out because again, like the Pharisees, she heard of this Jesus, and it was significant enough for her to go out and find him. She's heard of the good works that Jesus has begun to do. Even as we looked last week in Luke 5, that Jesus began to eat with tax collectors for sinners. And she heard this news. And she heard the idea that Jesus came to bring grace to those in need. And it makes her run to the opportunity to meet Jesus. And this is where the story gets interesting because this woman engages Jesus in an unexpected uh, manner and it leaves those around them in awe of what is happening in the story. But what we see is our first point is that grace received from Jesus results in great love for Jesus. You get, you get that? That grace received from Jesus results in a great love for Jesus. We see this in the response of what happens next. Jesus enters the home of the Pharisee, and the person who's showing Jesus the most love is actually a sinner. Right? It's a sinner. But why does she do this? Why does she come into another man's home to show Jesus love? And again, it's the simple answer that she heard and came to trust the good news that Jesus came to offer Right, That Jesus came to offer grace, the good news, proclaiming what his ministry was all about. And Jesus had a reputation to this point that he came to save sinners. Right? That he was healing those who were sick, ministering to those people. A couple passages before this, at the start of Jesus' ministry, in Luke 4, Jesus actually says this. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He had sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering the sight of the blind and to set liberty to those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so what we see is, again, Jesus' ministry is in full stride, if you will, right? It's in full swing. He's ministering to the least of these. He's healing these people. He's dining with tax collectors, as we saw last week. And up until this point, it's pretty clear that Jesus came to offer grace and to offer, to, uh, offer salvation to those in need, to those who are suffering from sin, which is all of us. And it's what he came to do. 
We can assume this woman has heard the good news. In her response, she responds in four verbs that I want to point out because this is significant. That she responds to Jesus in four different ways. And the first we see is that she comes into the house and she begins to wash the feet of Jesus with her tears. And so the significant act of this is that in the presence of Jesus, she begins to weep. Because he, she feels the grace and love that Jesus has extended to her. Not only that, she begins to wash the feet of Jesus with her hair. And why that's uncommon, and many people around the table were probably shocked in the matter, is that in that culture, women did not let their hair down. Right? They would keep it up, they would keep it covered, and honestly it was a sign of intimacy because that is what women often did at home with their husbands, that they would let their hair down. And so it's this extreme sign of, of, of intimacy and love that she has for Jesus as she weeps at his feet, as she washes with her hair. Third, it says she begins to kiss the feet of Jesus, another sign of love and intimacy. And finally, she anoints Jesus' feet with ointment. And the significance behind this is that that ointment would, would be something of very expensive value, something that you wouldn't just you know, use often. It's one of those things that you would save for a very special occasion. Yet, that didn't matter to her. What mattered is that she could go to the feet of Jesus and worship him because she has received great grace from Christ. And that is our point, is that grace received leads to a response of great love. That her response to Jesus was a response of great love in worshiping him for what he's done for her. This woman received much grace, and so she loved the Lord deeply. Reminds me of a story in... um, 2009, I don't know if, if you recall this story, but in 2009 in Highland Park, Michigan, if you recall, there was a pastor by the name of Kevin Ramsey. I think that's how you say his last name. But he was savagely attacked in his home. And if you recall this story, it was a pastor who was stabbed 37 times in his house as someone broke in to rob him. In long story short, the man who robbed him left, and Kevin miraculously crawled to get help, or at least scream out to get help. And essentially, you know, police came, he was rushed to the hospital, which wasn't thought that he would make it. And after many months of therapy, recovery, he began to heal. But in this whole process, right, about four months, the man who did this wasn't even caught. Four months later, the man gets caught. And eventually it goes to trial, Right, goes to trial, and Kevin, after recovering, gets the opportunity to stand face to face with the man who caused him great harm. A man who deserved punishment. Right? A man that inflicted great pain on him. Literally ruined his life, that he had to go through therapy right, to recover, to relearn to do things. And what Paul or what Kevin does is he has the opportunity to testify. But what he does is he looks the man in the face. He says, I forgive you. I extend grace to you. And this is the beautiful picture that grace received leads a response of great love. 
That this pastor understood the grace that he received from Jesus, which responded to him into extending a response of love to even someone who didn't deserve it in our standards. And just like the woman in the story today, she committed a great act of sin within the city, yet she received a great act of grace. Despite her past, Jesus accepted her. And the grace that Jesus offered to this woman of the city is the same grace that Jesus offers to you and to me each and every day. That it doesn't matter our past, it doesn't matter how bad we think we have been or we've done this, it does not matter. The grace of Jesus is for all who come to him. And the lady of the story, this is beautiful, is that she didn't clean herself up. She came to Jesus as she was, worshiping him. And the grace received today begins with the understanding that there's nothing that she did, there's nothing that we did to deserve this salvation, that it's nothing that we can do except it is a grace that comes from Jesus with no conditions. And it's this beautiful picture of the reminder of the good news that we can be extended to today. And the result of that good news was the result of her responding to Jesus with radical love. Loving Jesus and doing these things to Jesus that others may would have thought that were, were, were wrong or dirty or unclean, but this is how she responded to the one that changed her life. And so that's the story of the woman. But there's another character, which is the Pharisee. And the Pharisee witnessing this, trying to, can you imagine in the city, sitting around the table, watching this happen, and then he begins to speak up. But what we begin to see here is that there's grace refused from Jesus, which results in little love for Jesus. So we're going to continue in verse 39. It says, Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet... He would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered, answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, and he said, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which one of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, whom the, he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. And then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she had wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little." And this is the response to this, this text this morning, is that the Pharisee sees the woman's actions, and his first response is judgment. That he throws judgment on her. He claims, one, that Jesus can't be a prophet. That you cannot be a prophet because, one, you don't recognize this woman. She is a sinner of the city. Not only that, you let a sinner touch you. 
And it's a reminder of the importance of understanding these Pharisees is that, again, they have this high moral standard, this spiritual standard that they couldn't even associate themselves with sinners, that that would have just been unclean even to be, have them come near you, let alone touch you. And so what this Simon begins to do is he judges this woman and puts her in a category, the category of sinner. And essentially what he's doing is he's putting himself in a different category, a higher category as he looks down at her and he rejects Jesus. But Jesus then teaches Simon as well as he teaches us this same lesson this morning. Jesus begins to show that he is indeed the true prophet by how he responds to Simon, shares this parable. And this parable really is the center of the story. And this is incredible insight of God's grace that he extends to all of us, right? And if we were to study this and put this into our terms, it'd essentially be a situation like this. There's a creditor who uh, you owe maybe $11,000, Versus the other person who would own $100,000. And so there's a difference in, in money, yet the creditor says both of your debts, they're both forgiven. And so you can imagine who, who would probably be more thankful, right? Be more excited about that. And this is what's, what Jesus is presenting before Simon and Jesus reveals this truth, and he goes on and challenges Simon because essentially Simon is also offered the same grace that this woman is offered. Although to him, his sins or the things that he hasn't done is as great as this woman, yet they're still offered the same grace. Yet the way that Simon views it is that he, review, he refuses God altogether. He refuses Jesus as this Messiah because Simon didn't trust Jesus. He didn't trust who Jesus was. He didn't think, one, that he was a person that needed grace. He didn't think he needed salvation from anything. How do we know this? Well, it's how he treated Jesus and how we read this in the text. In those days, it would have been customary for Jesus, if he was the guest, honored guest in your home, that you would have had someone to wash his feet that you would have done that even before he entered, as he entered your home, that you would have had someone to wash his feet. You would have greeted your guests with a warm, maybe kiss on the cheek. You would have greeted them, right? You would have welcomed them in. You would have offered some oil for their hands that they could freshen up. Yet Simon does none of this for Jesus. He does none of this for Jesus. And in that culture, this would have not been like an accidental oversight. This would have been a direct insult. That he was insulting Jesus and that Simon's purpose to invite Jesus into his home wasn't to honor him. It wasn't to fellowship with Jesus. It wasn't to worship him. And you might ask, well, why did the Pharisee invite Jesus in in the first place? Well, he was looking for the wrong in Jesus. Because right? from the start, with Jesus coming on the scene, we see that he is quickly rejected by the Pharisees because the way that he was living was radical compared to what they believed was right. To sum up this position, there was a group of people that refused the grace of God because of what Jesus was proclaiming. And essentially they were saying that they weren't sinners and they weren't need of grace. And they had little love and gratitude to Jesus. 
Have you guys ever been in a restaurant um, and you notice someone treat the wait staff poorly? Maybe someone who's, who's in there, they're sitting at a table and they're demanding of the waitress or waiter. They never say thank you. They're rude. Maybe they don't even leave a tip. And it's this response that maybe they think they're better than themselves. And I know if you've ever witnessed that, you think in that moment, like, who do those people think they are? That they can just treat someone else like that. And essentially, it's the case that if you feel yourself better than someone else who's serving you, there's little gratitude and there's little love for their actions. And this is essentially Simon's response to Jesus, is that there's little love and there's little gratitude towards him. And the reality of this today is there's many people like Simon that refuse the grace of God, that don't think that they need salvation. They think, man, if I, if I just do this or I do that, or if I'm just a good person and I reach all these goals in my life, then God will love me and he'll forgive me and it'll be great and it'll be good. And they don't know that they, hey, I am good enough and I live up to the standard that I don't need to follow after Jesus. I think maybe some of us even times probably pair, play the comparison game as Simon did. When it comes to other sinners, we say, well, I, I'm not as bad as that person. The things that I've done, the sins that I, it's not as bad as that person. Right? I, I never did drugs or I never you know, looked at pornography or I never stole from anyone. I never physically hurt anyone. I'm not as bad as that person. I didn't do what they did. And sometimes we justify our own sins. And this is kind of what we see here as well. We, we compare ourselves to others a lot. I know I do this at times. Right? Maybe we are obedient. We are obedient to God's word and we do all the right things, but we look at others with judgment rather than compassion as Simon did. And what this looks like in the context of meals as we're going through this series, Meals with Jesus, you see, my struggle with, with bringing people around my table is that many times for me, it's easier for me to sit and dine with those who have things in common, right? That like the same things as I do, that talk like I do, and live like I do. And it's hard to bring other people in, yet those are the people that Jesus came to eat with. If you notice in the text, Jesus never pushed the t the, this lady away. He never said, hey, this isn't the place for you. No, he let her be there. He accepted her in around the table. He never rejected the woman once. He accepted her for who she was. And what does this look like for us? Are we willing to, to invite those around us who are sinners? Because I think this is the big difference. It's the people who we view as sinners are no different than us. The only difference for those of us who believed in Christ is the fact that we have accepted grace, that we have accepted Jesus, and they haven't. So why wouldn't we be able to invite those people in? This is what Jesus is doing. This is the point of meals. This is the point of Jesus that he came to extend grace for all. And the truth is, at some level, I think sometimes we live like Simon. We live like Simon. Maybe we're prone to self-righteousness. We're prone to thinking of ourselves maybe better than other people. Maybe not all the time, but maybe this is something that we do. But what we see here, the reality is that self-righteousness 
leads to the refusal of God. And when we fail to recognize God's grace, we fail to recognize that we fail to worship Jesus. We we fail to have fellowship with him. Where God's grace is refused, as we see in the heart of Simon, the result is little love for Christ. The story doesn't end there. The story doesn't end there because there's a connection between grace received and the response of love in this story. And it's the last point we see is that our actions of love reveal a faith that saves. That our actions of love reveal a faith that saves. Verse 48, and he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this? Who even forgives sin? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And can you imagine the tension at this meal setting where people are witnessing this, this uncommon thing? I'm sure a lot of people around just shocked, right? Uncomfortable maybe a little bit. And Jesus, once again, what I love is he ramps it up. And then he looks at this woman, he says, I declares, hey, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. And this statement brings two very real, very real significant reality. Is first, Jesus acknowledged the woman's sins have already been forgiven. And what's significant about this is it's not the fact that she came in and washed his feet. It's not the fact that she came in and began to kiss his feet and that she anointed his feet with this ointment. That's not what saved her. What saved her is she understood the grace that God through Jesus extended to her and she stepped into that knowing that he loved her no matter what. It didn't matter where she came from. It didn't matter her background. It mattered is that Jesus extended grace to her and that she could step into that. And that the actions of love that she had for Jesus revealed a faith that saved. And secondly, Jesus reveals who he truly is. That Jesus is the one true prophet of God. That he indeed did hold the power to forgive sins. And this was a radical thing because there was tension, I'm sure, in the room of when they say, who is this man that he, for, that he forgives sins? Can you imagine? And luckily, we have the gospel as a whole, and we know that we can go through the rest of this story and that Jesus indeed did come, and he was truly the Messiah, that he did die on the cross, but he didn't stay dead, right? That he rose again, Right? And he rose again, conquering death, conquering sin once and for all, that we could accept that grace, that love, that forgiveness of the things that we've done wrong, that there's nothing that we've done to deserve this grace, yet Jesus freely gives it to us. This is amazing picture, and there's nothing we do to deserve this. Right? There's no conditions to this grace. It's not, hey, you need to check these boxes off to receive this grace. No, he freely gives it. No strings attached. He forgives this woman and charges her to go in peace. Walk with the Lord. Walk in harmony with God. The saddest part of the story to me is the story of Simon. Because he again was offered the same grace. 
He was offered salvation as this woman has been offered salvation. Simon still had a debt, but he wasn't willing to go before Christ. And he was trying to repay this debt on his own, by his own actions, by his own self-righteousness. And Simon sat at the meal and essentially was offered again the same grace and forgiveness, but because of this, he completely missed the mark. Completely missed the mark. The end of Simon's story, he doesn't hear those words, does he? That your sins are forgiven. That your faith has saved you. Tim Chester in the book Meals with Jesus says it this way. The difference between Simon and Peter, or Simon and the woman, I'm sorry, is not just how they viewed Jesus, it's also how they viewed themselves. Simon had no sense of forgiveness because he had no sense of need. And no sense of need. But the woman had a strong sense of her brokenness. She knows her life, her life is a mess, and she sees Jesus as someone who accepts her anyway. And so she has an overwhelming love for him. And so the question I have for you today is, how do you view yourself in the context of this passage? Are you like Simon? Or are you like the woman? And as you think about that, remember the big idea is it leads us back to is it's our response to Jesus reveals our grasp of his grace. And that is essentially in the story that both had separate responses. But as we see in the woman that her response to Jesus through the grace extended to her, reveals this this grasp of his grace to her. The same is true for us today, that our response to Jesus reveals our grasp of his grace. And today, that is the good news. That is the good news that we can hear today. And so I pray that as we wrestled with this, and what does this look like for our own lives as we walk out of here today? Maybe for some of us, it is kind of throwing away, say, I I am a little self-righteous at times. And sometimes I do justify my sins compared to others, knowing that the grace in this story is equally extended to you. All you have to do is go to Christ. And that there's nothing nothing that you deserve for that except that Jesus freely gives it. There's nothing that you have to do other than admitting that, hey, I am a sinner in need of grace in need of salvation that only comes from Christ. So where do you find yourself in the text, and how will you respond this morning? Let's pray. Holy and Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for just another context, God, of Jesus meeting people where they're at, sitting around the table, meeting us where we're at. God, I pray today as we study your word, as we're challenged from your word, God, where do we find ourselves in the story? And I pray that we can be like the woman, God, that know that, hey, we are all in need of you, that we're all in need of a grace that can only come from you because of what you did for us on the cross. And we thank you for that, Jesus. I pray that is our response this morning. Maybe the response for us as well is to, to say, who can we invite into our tables? Maybe it's, it's opening our hearts and say, hey, we need to have a different view on how we view others. That we don't view others as the Pharisee viewed this woman. 
then maybe for us, we need to view others as sinners as we are a sinner and understand the only difference between us and quote-unquote a sinner is the fact that we have already accepted the grace that was freely given to, to us by your son, Jesus. And that we can openly extend a hand to them. And we can invite them into our meals. God, we thank you for this story. We thank you that you have forgiven our debt. And I pray that we can respond as this woman responded with love and affection to you, Jesus. That we can worship you because of what you did for us. And that as we accept that grace, that that pours out to those around us. That we can equally love them and show them that the grace that we receive, they also can receive Jesus. We thank you this passage. Pearls in your name. Amen.